Hi, welcome to episode six of the Toyota Kata podcast. Today's episode is a presentation given by Michael Lombard, and we're sharing the audio with his permission. It's titled, My Three Best Coaching Kata Mistakes. Now, if you'd like to see the YouTube version that has uh, some slides, you can use the forwarding link, leanblog.org slash kata6. Hello, this is Michael Lombard. I'm the Director of Operational Excellence at a hospital in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. I've been learning about lean for over 10 years now, the past four of which I've spent in healthcare. And most recently, I've been practicing the Toyota Kata approach. And today, I want to share with you my three best coaching Kata mistakes. And I call them my best mistakes because these are the ones that have led to the most learning for me. Hopefully, you find them useful and maybe it expedites your learning journey. So let's jump in. Just to give you a little background, the challenge for us at my hospital was to, how to develop coaching kata competency. We were all novices and we were trying to become competent coaches so we could produce some good results. We had no idea how to get there. We didn't have any outside support. So basically we just took a step forward not knowing exactly what we were going to do and we started learning a whole bunch from taking that step forward and that's about the best way. It's just learning by doing. That's what Toyota Kata is all about. Mistake number one is shortchanging the true north. I still make this mistake to this day and what I mean by that is that first step of the improvement kata where you see the direction, I still find myself kind of glossing over that. I'm in a coaching session with the learner and we spend maybe five minutes at the beginning of their project just talking in platitudes like your safety project is going to help our quality of care and so you're well aligned with our strategic direction and that kind of conversation is really not adding much to the discussion. It's really not helping steer us in the right direction. And I started asking myself, why am I coaching that way? Why am I glossing over this first step? And I think it has something to do with the fact that my learners that I'm coaching, they don't have a clear way to plug and play into the improvement infrastructure of our organization. And I'll explain that a little more on the next slide. In a mature lean organization, you might have a good Hoshin Connery strategy deployment system, and you might have strategic direction cascading down into value stream transformations, which then in turn cascade down into PI efforts. And you can clearly see how your smaller PI efforts align all the way up to strategic direction. Unfortunately, we don't have this in many organizations. We'd be lucky to have value stream maps in some organizations. And so we as coaches have to help the learner plug and play via other manners, other methods. And it's not always easy, but there are some practical approaches you can take. For example, if I'm the learner or the facilitator for a larger value stream transformation and there's a smaller PI effort below that that supports it, I can be the coach for that one, a smaller one. And that puts me in a good position to help the learner on that smaller PI effort connect the dots between what they're working on and what I'm working on in the bigger value stream transformation. That's just one way to achieve alignment. Another way, in a more direct way really, is for the target condition for my big value stream transformation project can actually be the big challenge for that smaller PI effort. In this fashion, the value stream transformation and specifically the target condition of that informs the smaller PI effort and provides guidance for it. So if you can combine these two approaches and kind of harness the fractal nature of the Toyota Kata approach, then you're going to definitely help the learner plug and play. So in summary, the lesson learned from this mistake of shortchanging the true north, that first step of the improvement kata, 
is to, when possible, engage learners on connected improvement efforts. Obviously, we're not going to tell a learner, don't pursue an improvement if we can't show how it's correlated to a big value stream transformation. We want people to pursue improvements, especially in the early going when they're just learning how to use the Toyota Kata approach. It's okay for them to practice on some disconnected, standalone improvement efforts. But when possible, we do want to provide a platform. We do want to help these learners connect their improvement efforts to the bigger strategic direction of the organization. The second mistake is what I call rushing to the five questions. So with the coaching kata, there's the planning phase and the execution phase. During the planning phase, this is when the learner is performing the first three steps of the improvement kata, and the coach is doing general instructing and coaching, providing some just-in-time lessons, various tools that might be needed for the planning phase. And overall, this is the less structured of the two phases for the coach. In the execution phase, however, we have the daily coaching cycles. We're asking the five questions. It's much more structured, much more straight to the point. And I was rushing to this execution phase and kind of pushing the learner there because for me as a coach, I was entering the coaching comfort zone. And uh, this is something you want to avoid if possible. But that can be easier said than done because there's strong pull from the five questions from the execution phase on the coach. When you're in that planning phase and you're asking, what questions should I be asking the learner? I'm not, I don't have a script. I'm not exactly sure what I should be asking here. That's difficult. Whereas the five questions is kind of like a warm blanket. Asking yourself what questions to ask is kind of creating doubt and uncertainty. So there's definitely a, a pull for you to want to be in the execution phase. But you don't want to rush it because that can create an awkward situation where you're trying to ask the five questions and the learner is really not prepared to do that yet. So definitely want to avoid that if possible, but it's totally understandable why we as coaches make that mistake. So the lesson learned here from this mistake of rushing through the five questions, which I did a lot in the early going as a coach. This was much more prevalent in the first couple months of being a coach, and it's kind of died down a little bit as I've become more comfortable in that planning phase. But the lesson learned is don't be afraid to go off script early on. Keep it a little bit casual. Break the ice at the beginning of your coaching session, and whatever you do, just don't pull out the five questions pocket card during the planning phase and expect to get concise answers. Just kind of be a little more flexible. Mistake number three is not using judo. And allow me to explain. The arrow you see represents the action orientation continuum. On the left, you have analysis paralysis, which is being too hesitant to jump into action. And on the right, you see jumping to solutions, which is being too eager to jump into action before you've properly understood things. In healthcare, based on my experience, I would say clinicians tend to fall on the right side, and that's okay as long as they're not jumping to solutions. We can actually use their bias for action in a very productive manner. It's easy for us to understand why clinicians have a bias for action. They're caring for patients. They're dealing with emergent situations. They have to jump in and get going and solve problems on the fly without doing a bunch of planning. So. That can be a problem if they're jumping to solutions on a process improvement effort, but if we use judo, if we kind of use their momentum in a productive manner, then we can actually help them along in their process improvement journey. Think about it this way. If they're doing a plan, do, study, act cycle, as coaches, we're definitely going to tell them, first, do a thorough plan phase. Define the problem, analyze root causes, identify countermeasures, and then we can talk about implementation. Often as coaches, we're like throttling their, their enthusiasm to get into the do phase. And you need to do that, of course. However, we can kind of use their bias for action by helping them understand how in the plan phase, 
when they're analyzing root causes, they can be doing kind of quick mini cycles of testing or mini cycles of PDSA. And that's the way to engage their desire for action in a way that prevents them from jumping to solutions and jumping into the do phase prematurely. Another way of thinking about this is that our RCA, our root cause analysis, can take several forms. You can use statistical tools such as ANOVA or regression analysis. You can utilize practical root cause analysis tools such as the five whys or Ishikawa diagrams that help us break down the problem into its pieces. But we can also use empirical RCA tools and I call that just mini PDSA cycles. This is actually getting empirical evidence, real world evidence of what works and what doesn't to help validate our hypothesis, what we think is the root cause and what we think are the right countermeasures for those root causes. And in this way, we can continue to do that plan phase root cause analysis work while being action oriented. And I think that appeals to clinicians and it produces the best possible understanding of the current condition prior to implementation, which is a great thing. So my lesson learned from not using judo, and again, what I mean by that is I wasn't using the bias for action that our people have in a productive manner. I was throttling too much. What I learned was that many cycles of PDSA, you know, empirical testing of what we think are the root causes or countermeasures, is a very safe way to be action-oriented. We're not rushing the plan phase of PDSA, we're not jumping to solutions, but we are showing action, we're appealing to that action orientation of people, especially those clinicians in healthcare. So now I've shared with you the three mistakes that I think were the most valuable for me because they produced the most learning. And I'm going to share a few bonus lessons learned that hopefully help you expedite your journey with a Toyota Kata approach. Number one, find a sensei if possible. It's always great to have that external expertise. Number two, create a Coaches Anonymous group. Maybe you don't call it that per se, but allow coaches to share their lessons learned and reflect upon their mistakes together. Number three, facilitate shadowing of competent coaches. This will help new coaches understand how you speak the language of the Kata and that sort of thing. Number four, start practicing coaching as soon as possible. As a matter of fact, just do this if you're going to do nothing else. This is the best way to get started with the Toyota Kata approach. It's learning by doing, and that's what's going to produce the most insights for you and allow you to start to build continuous improvement habits. So get started. Best of luck to you, and keep at it.